You know, I like that parable. I like that parable because, um, or like right there at the end, he's like, do you guys all, do you guys all understand that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, oh, hey, Jonathan. So that he like, he's like, well, here's another parable about that. You know, and anyway, it's just kind of funny and confusing. So, uh, yeah, you guys are going to get, you know, Emily wrote in the order of service sermonette, but, you know, I prepared like 10 hours worth on this thing, so you guys are going to get the full, you guys are going to get all the juice today, so you're welcome. Uh, yeah, we've been at the monastery this week, so I got fodder for days. Um, so these parables just keep coming at us, don't they? I'm really dry here. You know, we stayed at um, the, the in-laws, and they've got all these dogs everywhere, and, uh, you know, and you're just like inhaling that stuff. It's, it's for, the struggle's real. So, Jesus, kids, feel free to turn around so you can see things, because some things are going to happen. You can scoot up if you want or not. It's up to you. So, um, Jesus keeps coming at us with these parables. Jesus... Jesus, we, we just see how familiar Jesus is with the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, but we also see how familiar Jesus is with things on the earth. Uh, and all these parables are really earthy, right? We're talking about yeast, we're talking about trees and seeds and uh, bowls and plants and uh, all of these uh, things like that, right? Uh, because I think Jesus wants to know that we are also familiar with the kingdom of heaven uh, this morning. And so, um, which ultimately that's sort of what our salvation is entangled within this morning, that Jesus is fully human and yet fully divine, right? And that anything short of that leaves us short of a salvation this morning. And so um, we're not going to get into the systematic theology of all that this morning, but it's important to sometimes take sort of that moment to sort of step back and recognize some of the things in the theology that is undergirding our salvation and what we believe and what we talk about uh, and the kinds of things that Jesus is saying to us. And so especially things that are already so cryptic right such as parables so uh jesus is is basically actively and bodily bodily working to sort of bridge that gap for us between heaven and earth and then jesus invites us to participate in the bridging okay uh, so uh we're we're in this i want to hone in on one of these little dudes here uh, in hopes of understanding it a bit better and here in Matthew 13, there's quite a few parables, and, but they pack a big punch, which could be an interpretation of the parable itself, ironically. But uh, seeds and leaven and pearls and sort of the context of, of larger things that are happening. So um, who here this morning loves bread? Anybody bread lovers, right? Generally, we love bread whether or not bread loves us. You love mac and cheese? Well, we're... You just love cheese. Got it. Yeah, so generally we love bread, especially sweet bread, right? Man, I love sweet bread. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, I don't know if they still do it, but Blakemore always offered their communion with the Hawaiian sweet bread. 
I was like, oh man, like the Hawaiians got it figured out. <laughs> Am I right? That's <laughs> like so good, the sweet bread. Uh, anyway, yeah, so there's a strong temptation here that I'm going to resist to do sort of a theology of bread this morning <laughs> because there's, uh, there's so much here. But sometimes, sometimes the best way to uh, really understand these parables is just to get in the kitchen. Am I right? Man, I got this out today, and I was like, this thing is, like, so dirty. Oh, my gosh. It's like, we've, this thing has cooked some meals. What? What? Oh, oh, my word. That, there we are. That's me and, that's me and Mommy on our honeymoon at Disney World. So, and, and then of, and then of all things, somehow, Somehow, young Caleb thought it was a good idea to buy Emily an apron so, <laughs> with our picture on it. So anyway, hindsight's twenty twenty, guys. So uh, yeah, sometimes to understand some of these parables, you just got to get in the kitchen. Are you with me, guys? So, uh, so I would like to uh, welcome all of you to Cooking with Pastor Caleb this morning. And uh, it's going to be a really good time. So we've got some ingredients here this morning uh, up here and some things are gonna some things are gonna happen. So if you can't see what's going on and you want to see more, feel free to step a little closer if uh, gluten is not hazardous to your health. So uh, yeah, I want to read I want to read uh, this this parable one more time and maybe we'll notice some differences. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So this is the NKJV, if you're keeping score at home. Um, and, uh, but at first glance, there's quite a few differences in this version than the version that we maybe normally hear or read. Uh, I'll read the NRSV. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So uh, if, if we're attempting to reenact somewhat of a parable this morning, we're already not doing a great job because, well, I'm not a woman. And so that, you know, we're already, already it's not happening super well. And uh, we can get into the socioeconomic context of how some of those things, here's one, uh, why that that is a woman in scripture uh, but I think Jesus really just probably knew that women were better or that men were better bread eaters uh, or something but we're not going to get into all that this morning uh, so but I do want to talk about this term uh, that Jesus uh, uses for yeast so uh, in the text it says yeast or it might say leaven but uh, in scripture it was actually known as in the Greek it would have been this word zume somebody say zume zume right so zume is kind of one of those fun words because it would literally mean something like this anybody know what this is well it is yeast this is this is, this is what we would call a living organism. This is a, a sourdough starter. So in the text, this would have actually been what, what zume means, okay? That, sh that the woman would have taken some of this sourdough starter it, that, that just is kind of stinky and smelly and delicious. So I'm going to pass this around so you guys can 
You guys can maybe take a whiff of it. You can look at it. You can see how bubbly and airy it is and sour and uh, delicious. It is alive. It's the stuff of life. We could do a whole sermon on microbiology. Uh, but Zume, literally, uh, this is where we get the word enzymes from, okay? So enzymes break down the starch in the flour and convert it into glucose, okay? And so right now, it's in the active, it's actively decomposing, okay? It's, it's, it's actively fermenting. It is alive, okay? It's not as scary as the SCOBY that is growing in our red wine vinegar at home, though. So, uh, you know, so anyway. So in, uh, generally, if you read any sort of commentary or thoughts on, um, thank you, thank you. Okay, that's enough. Go sit down. If you read any sort of commentary uh, on this parable, everyone just gets... Um, all, all tied in a knot about, uh, about this term yeast because Jesus is using this yeast uh, to compare it to the kingdom of heaven as in it's a good thing, right? And, and everyone's, you know, not everyone, but a lot of commentators are like, no, they can't do this because yeast is generally used as a, as a bad metaphor in scripture. So uh, we shouldn't be talking about yeast in a good way. And, and some people will even bend over backwards to, uh, to try to like twist this parable so that yeast is used in a bad way. But I generally think that the Lord of all creation can use any part of creation in a good or bad way that he would like to. So inside rant here this morning. So here's where some things get good. Hey, Daly, can you find a seat? Can you find a seat? Um, here's where things kind of get good. So in the text, uh, if your Bible or translation that you have looked at before says mixed, you can just sort of like jot that out because it doesn't say mixed. And, and actually what it says is this Greek term encrypto. So somebody say encrypto. Encrypto. Can uh, any of the kids tell me what encrypto means? What they think it means? Or anybody else? What do you think encrypto means? What do you think, Solomon? What do you think encrypto means? I, I think you got some ideas. I think it means uh, maybe something is encrypted. What's encrypted? That it's, that it's hidden. So encrypto means to hide something, to encrypt something like a secret password or like a secret handshake. It means that something is hidden this morning, okay? So it's encrypted. It's kind of like, like a secret, like it's almost like Kaleo, right? Uh, it's the only thing we're missing is like a, it's like a secret password around here, right? Uh, so yeah, so one really interesting thing that happens when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is that he talks about it very often uh, with another word, I'm going to say apocalyptically. Anybody know what apocalyptic means? Yeah? So apocalyptic means that uh, it basically just means to reveal something. That something is made known. 
right? And so Jesus is always talking about the heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven apocalyptically, as in that something that is hidden will be revealed or, or made known, right? We get this all through the Gospels. Uh, it means to sort of uncover. Jesus said, nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed or brought into the light, Jesus says. So, uh, so sometimes we have to uncover some things. So this morning, I'm going to uncover this. And uh, I'm going to use a little bit of flour here because uh, the, these surfaces are clean, I promise, you know. Um, not that you want to come lick it or anything, but we're going to have a little flour here. I'm going to try not to spread this around here. We've got to get a good, when you're cooking in the kingdom of heaven, when you're cooking in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to get a good bit of flour going on. And, uh, and sometimes you just got to get, so this, this guy right here, oh yeah. He's really, he's really got it. Oh my word. I need someone to come preheat my oven here. We haven't even preheated the oven. We're going to need, hang on. I got this. I can do this from here. We're going to need probably around 400 degrees. What's it say in the Bible? 400? Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So sometimes, uh, it's all good. I got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's probably not anything in the oven, but we'll cook it too, whatever's in there. So, um, so there's kind of a hiddenness and kind of a foundness about the kingdom of heaven. Anybody here ever like to play hide-and-go-seek or like to play it when you're a kid? Yeah, yeah. Hannah does. Yeah, Carl, daily. Yeah, I like playing hide-and-go-seek. Every now and then in our family, we play hide-and-go-seek. And actually, this was like last week, we were playing hide-and-go-seek one, one night, and... Um, and we used to just, back in the day, like, I would just, like, hide, I would, like, hide behind a curtain, you know, my feet are sticking out, the kids can't find me, it goes on forever. Anyway, the kids are getting pretty good at this, and our house is kind of small, and I'm like, okay, we're going to play. And so, of course, I'm the one counting, and I'm like, 100, 200, you know, it just goes on. I'm like, here I come, and I go find them, and this is, Emily's just, like, sitting on the couch. I feel like someone else might, might be there. Anyway, but, but me and the kids are playing, and I'm just, like, Man, I'm just like looking everywhere, and five minutes goes by, and ten minutes go by, and I cannot find these kids. And then finally, finally, I, I find Story. And, and I was like, oh, okay. But I expected Daly to be with her, because I had gone through every room and every closet in the house. Daly wasn't with her. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to help me find your sister. So uh, both of us. Are, are just going around the house. We're looking at everything. We've already been in every, every room three times. And finally we said, you know, I'm like worried that she's gone down to Circle K or something. She's just gone, you know. It's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's just, did she dissolve? Uh, you know, and so we're like, daily, we give up, we give up. And then she came out. She uncovered herself. And I can't tell you where she is because wh where she was unless she, she was under the bed. It was... You would think it's obvious, but it wasn't obvious because it's like, I don't know how anyone got under there. So, it's, it was kind of her little secret, but now you know where to look. So, the kingdom of heaven has a hiddenness and a foundness to it, right? Uh, here in Matthew, uh, Matthew sort of weaves this together for us. He says, I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what is hidden since the foundation. So that's a psalm that he quotes. So, but imagine going to play hide-and-go-seek. 
Um, but hey, guys, I still need you to pay attention, OK? Imagine going to play hide and go seek. Uh, but instead of hide and go seek, you just, uh, you just hid. It's just called hiding. And one person would go in a closet somewhere, and you would just hide. And that was the game. <laughs> would that be any fun? No. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun at all, right? Because essentially there would be no... Hey, Daly. Not right now. Focus. I'm making bread up here. I can't do three things. It wouldn't be any fun, right? Because there'd be no surprise. I think Jesus knew this about the kingdom of heaven, right? That uh, every time Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, that there's kind of this surprise factor to it. So uh, can someone tell me in the parable uh, how much flour it says that the woman hid into the dough? Yes. Three measures. Anybody know how much three measures is, Jovi? It is not three cups. Emily. <laughs> 60 pounds. So three measures is up to 60 pounds of dough uh, or flour. That is a lot, lot, lot of flour, isn't it? So I'm going to give you guys some context for how much 40 to 60 pounds of flour is. Every uh, Saturday morning, you guys are welcome to come by my house. I'm in there busy. I'm making succulent biscuits. Uh... Uh, every Saturday morning, and I use about two and a half or maybe, maybe two and a half cups of flour to make a batch of biscuits, okay? They're so good. And um, so that's about a five, if you have a five pound bag of flour, I can get about 10 batches of biscuits out of that bag of flour, okay? So 40 to 60 pounds of flour, we're talking about making 120 ba uh, batches of biscuits. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at this point, the kingdom of heaven is like better than Cracker Barrel. I mean, it's just, uh, there's... There's a lot going on in the kingdom of heaven. But we, we shouldn't be surprised this morning uh, about this, should we? Because the kingdom of heaven is always sort of abundant in that way. It's always sort of feeding the masses. And the whole village is, 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 getting, uh, is getting fed from this. And so there's kind of, a, there's kind of a, an absurdness uh, to the parable, right? This is, this is more... This is more dough than uh, any one single person can need. Are you with me this morning? Huh? Which, oh, ooh, oh. Well, I'll put it this way. There, it's more dough than any single one person could also consume. And um, so at this point, we're asking questions like, Jesus, what is, this, what is this parable about, right? And can we 
really know what this parable is about because do parables function like that? Okay, we've made some, uh, we've made some fun little ribbons here. I'm going to go put these in the kingdom oven here and uh, we're going to pray over these. So, um, oh yeah, this is what's up. Hashtag things I've never done in a sermon, but we're doing now. We're not even at 260 degrees, but I think that's okay. I think it's going to work out to our benefit because it's not my first rodeo. So, uh, before we wrap this up, because this is going somewhere. Yeah, I know. I've got to unwrap my apron first. I want to I look at one more Bible story real quick, okay? You can wear it afterward. All right, it's in your handout, Genesis 18. So, look at it with me. Because sometimes one of the things that helps us understand the Bible and what the Bible is saying is, number one, having a familiarity with all of Scripture, okay? Because when you see certain terms that are already rare terms in multiple places, you can pretty much guarantee that there's an, another layer going on. Genesis 18 says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. And as he said at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, right, it's a familiar story you guys are realizing, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring, I love this, let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So let me bring you a little bread. So they said, do as you have said. And I love this. Verse 6, and Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures, maybe about 60 pounds of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes, right? <laughs> I just imagine this scenario, you know, like uh, the grubbing old Sarah's like, what? How, how many cakes, you know? How many are there? Uh, they, are they big, you know? They must be divine beings. They're hungry, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just like this, the, again, this sort of ab absurdness, which is, which is what one of the things that really draws our attention back to this ancient story, that there's a bit more occurring here, right? So you see the three measures connection, like, okay, got it. Well, there's one other really, or a couple other really interesting connections, and it's this word cakes, but it's fascinating because uh, in the Septuagint, in, in the actual Greek when we read this, we see that the word is encrypsus, which is uh, like the, the, the twin of encrypta, right? It's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a rare term already. It that, that means, again, to hide. 
And so while these connections may seem arbitrary for some of us, Jesus would have been very familiar with this story and in the context of scriptures be sort of communicating and drawing our attention back to this ancient story here in Genesis about this promise specifically to a woman, right, telling her that even though she's real old, she's going to have a child, right? You know the story. And at and at that, that the child will be the beginning of this great nation, right? Abraham, Isaac, right? Uh, this, this, this is a story about uh, Sarah finding out she's going to be pregnant with Isaac. But Sarah is really uh, old, right? She can't really have babies anymore. And so there's a whole story. She laughs and, and, and uh, laughing in Hebrew, that word is Isaac. But in other words, this is a story that there is certainly something hidden inside Sarah and that something is going to be big. And actually it's going to be so big and so good, it's going to be good news for all people. It's going to be good news for everyone. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so this morning, wrapping this up, for Sarah in her old age... She had maybe been kind of short on answers, short on meaning, uh, right? Often maybe it feels like our life's here. Um, it doesn't always feel like how we think it ought to feel. It always doesn't kind of come out the way we think it's going to come out. And so we don't always see in faith what maybe God has in store for us. And so there's this sort of birth thing happening here that is this sort of surprise moment where hidden things become known. And this is generally what happens in scripture when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, that there's this big banquet maybe, or there's this moment where Israel becomes a great nation, or where the gospel maybe takes root in the whole village or the whole city, right? Or when the tree, when the seed becomes big enough to become a tree and the tree becomes big enough to shade the whole community, right? That, that there's this sort of factor that we realize this morning that we, we might not be around for all of that. That, um, that God's promises are sort of long sight, aren't they? We may be actually old and gone. Those moments may be out there in the future somewhere. And that's generally how the New Testament talks about a lot of these things. Jesus is always talking to us about, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven and, and there's this sort of vision of a great banquet. And we even get it in Revelation that there's this, I'm going to call it an eschatological hope, a hope that is sort of distant in, in heaven one day where we're going to have this great meal, a hope that isn't here yet, which is what sort of makes it hope but that's okay because what we're here to do this morning is to do some hiding to do some folding in to the dough to do some of those little things like planting seeds this morning wherever we can hiding a bit of that leaven in what seems like an insurmountable amount of flour so uh, wrapping up this morning, because I can, I can smell something cooking here, so that tells me I'm going to have to check, check my dough. Here's the deal. The kingdom of heaven is like you and I planting our seeds. It's kind of what we're doing here this morning. Sometimes it feels like what you're doing 
no matter how good it is, feels kind of hidden. Are you with me? It, it feels like, oh, maybe, uh, you know, sometimes life, and, and I know some of you kids won't get this maybe until you're older, but uh, sometimes life feels a little bit like a hamster on a wheel, you know? It's like you're, you're doing all these things, and you're trying to have these conversations, and, and you're, you're, you're working, you're doing whatever it is your craft is, right? But it's like, where's all this going, and what is all this producing Meanwhile, I'm getting old and barren. <laughs> so, so, so what is this? Where is all this? Where is all this going this morning? Some of us might get discouraged at that. And I think that's a, that's a common place to find ourselves sometimes. But I think this is, a, this is an encouraging parable this morning. And all these parables encourage us to, to realize that in the kingdom of heaven, a little goes a long way. And these folding in moments, right? These hidden things that we're all called to do to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, right? And I'm talking about at work. I'm talking about at the office. I'm talking about in the neighborhood. I'm talking about in the taxes. And I'm talking about in uh, all of it this morning, right? In the emails, uh, and, and all of the things uh, that, that God is open to baking something through your life this morning. Uh, that God wants to do some bread making through your life. And that is a slow work very quite often. And sometimes it feels like working a little bit of yeast, a little bit of zume, and it feels hidden within an insurmountable amount of flour this morning. But that's sort of the miracle of it, isn't it, this morning? That God is doing a new thing uh, through us this morning and in our lives. And that uh, we can be about that nurturing and that baking work uh, and all the little things this morning. And that... Uh, we might not always be around uh, or it may not always come to fruition the way that we want it to see this morning. But this is the meager, hidden, holy work that we've gathered here for this morning. And uh, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. God has got a bun in the oven this morning. So let me pray for us. Then we're going to have some communion in which I will not be involved because I have flour on me. So, Lord, we give you thanks for uh, these parables and these stories that continue to form us and shape us into who we are and to who you're calling us to be, God. May we rest in the comfort this morning, Lord. Um, that you are transforming us, God. And so we give you thanks for that transformation of that folding in, of that hidden work, God, that you've given us all to do, Lord, that each of our lives can feel so small sometimes, God. Uh, and that's part of what it means to find good news in the kingdom of heaven is that a little goes a long way with you, God. And so we are thankful to be part and participants within that kingdom work this morning in our lives, in our city, in our world. And so... Uh, we give you thanks in your name. Amen.